I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Carrie Johnson. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by principal analyst Jay Patasol to discuss the pressures facing agencies and some predictions for how they handled those pressures in 2020. Welcome, Jay. Thank you. So uh, maybe answering my own intro, what are the pressures? What are the market <laughs> dynamics that have happened to date that are potentially signaling a, a major change for agencies in 2020 and beyond? Yeah, there are a number of them. Uh, the role of marketing is in question overall. Mm. And I think the role of the, of the CMO position in particular, um, we've seen instances of it either disappearing in some instances or just evolving into uh, a, a, another title or another set of responsibilities that are either very digital performance specific um, in this role or maybe even a broader revenue and growth driven role. So Nick Drake at T-Mobile a couple of years ago, or more recently, Connie Brahms at Unilever. These are both digital examples. Um, they're long-term executives, but have a lot of digital experience, and they've moved into CMO positions, and they bring all of that, that rich knowledge of digital marketing uh, and that emphasis of it. Or more recently at Coca-Cola, Manolo Arroyo uh, is an example of a more operational, broader uh, role that has been uh, brought into to CEO. He's actually serving a dual role where he's president of uh, Asia uh, as well as global CMO. So you kind of see it playing out across the marketplace. And the significance of it is it's created a new set of marketing priorities for programs that are designed to improve the customer experience to try to maximize lifetime you know, customer value and revenue uh, by digitizing the business or creating new revenue streams and using the digital experience or their operational knowledge to do that. But agencies have had a really difficult time to quickly adjust for this. And that's really the context for the pressure and where the pressure for agencies comes from. Because right now what we see in our data is that agencies are actually growing um, at or below the rate of inflation. Um, so barely growing. Yeah, barely <laughs> growing. I mean, really barely growing. So when you look at the seven major advertising agency uh, holding companies, they're growing essentially at right around 3%. And in the more recent uh, reportings, the Q3 2019 reportings, the highest performer was growing at 2.2%. I mean, some actually had indications of negative growth. In fact, WPP, which is the largest of the agency holding companies, was lauded and celebrated because they had just come back to positive growth at, at 0.5%. And that's that's significant for them in their situation, but it's still in the scheme of things. Mm. It's not a whole lot of growth um, because there's this continual down pressure of margins. Um, we've seen a lot of agencies, a lot of independent agencies um, have closed uh, recently citing the fact of you know downward pressure um, in their in their economics and it's really a shift from retainer relationships where they're paid consistently on a monthly basis based upon labor and time and right. materials to project-based relationships so the financial pressure is is one of the huge pieces that is that has set the stage for this and several advertisers large advertisers like PG Unilever um, a lot of the large package goods companies um, continually pull agency fee quarterly, you know, quarter by quarter out and reinvest in either media or in their own operations to do so. So that's a big trend that we've seen. Um, there's also new competition, uh, namely the consultancies like uh, IBM IX or Accenture Interactive that are coming in and they're taking the high dollar uh, digital transformation initiatives 
And um, in in doing so, um, you know, they're 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 doing the large scale implementation, and that's really where the money is um, today from the marketer standpoint. So new competition, financial pressures, um, and and then insourcing. Insourcing is another huge uh, element of this. Uh, our data shows that about seventy two percent of companies have some form of in-house capability. That's a 12% growth year over year and a f- over 50% growth in the last decade. And we know that through our research, our exclusive research with the IHAF, the in-house agency forum, where we're looking at this um, on an annual basis. And the types of capabilities that they comprise, it's like 90% of these organizations have creative services and production services um, as capabilities. 70% have project management. 68% have digital marketing in various forms, 55% strategy, and 30% media. So mirroring basically yeah. an agency model in-house, obviously. It, yeah. They are becoming you know, full-service mm-hmm. like type agencies. And so from the finances to the priorities to the competition to the, uh, uh, the new models of, of, of moving things in-house, the pressure is pretty significant on uh, the agencies. From a competitive standpoint, what about the IT outsourcing firms? Do you see them in any major way contributing to this? I happen to be in India fairly recently where those companies, because of automation, have their own set of pressures um, and folks building internal IT shops. So they've been acquiring digital and agency talent. Do you come across them at all? Yeah, we do come across them in the transformation space and in the large you know, infrastructure implementation so things like building uh, technology, asset allocation, asset management, mm-hmm. things like that, but not so much in, you know, they will do some large scale builds, but not in things like like uh, campaign development, certainly not in media because it's not uh, it's not an area that they right. that they're into um, and, and not so much in the in the creative side of things. They have bought some uh, creative agencies in order to, you know, to, to, to get a, you know, a, a toehold, if you will, um, in, into, into some of this area, but it's not nearly at scale. Um, and, and there seems to be pretty much limited to the digitization of the business. Right. And so all of those things in the mix, what are we looking at for 2020? Like what is the first thing that you see changing from how agencies operate or processes by which they operate? Yeah, I, I think we're starting to see a lot of the implications of 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 all this, you know, coming together. Mm-hmm. And and the first the first area that I think we'll will we've already started to see indicators and we're gonna see more of in 2020 is reshaping the workforce. Um, the workforce inside the agency, inside marketing, really is going to is 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 starting to change, um, and that and that that includes like the the introduction of new platforms, new technology, uh, things like automation. And automation in the way of automating tasks that say project managers would do, not necessarily like uh, exactly. programmatic buying or anything like that. Automation, um, a maybe bit, a combination of both. A, a little bit of both, okay. but. Um, yeah, automation in in, in terms of uh, the the ability to uh, to complete uh, specific tasks, um, billing, uh, mm-hmm. tracking of jobs, yep. signing teams, approvals, checking off milestones, a lot of the process oriented yep. pieces of it that are all very much kind of a manual job, if you will. We start to see automation in that area because of the introduction of platforms. So consequently, the project management function. And the client-facing account management function have 
less individual tasks to do, and you start to see the the blend, if you will, or the convergence of of multiple titles. So the project manager, the account manager, and the strategy function, uh, you know, for example, which used to be three distinct distinct uh, skill sets, can all of a sudden become one or one individual or a group of individuals um, that that are that are managing those three. And so you'll that's that's one example of of where we'll start to see this. But where I believe we'll 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 start to see uh, the continued impact of automation is in the creative process um, and in the in, in the media planning process. Now, media planning has already started to embrace this with the 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 use of audience activation technology, where they're they're automating. Um, a number of the uh, uh, the insights that they develop um, through their research and their and their database by aggregating these things together, so that they can in quasi real time create an audience, select the right channels, um, and implement that in a in a really fast way. Um, I think we'll, in in the world of media, we'll continue to see that type of of platform involvement um, in the planning process. So a planner and a set of technology tools. What comes next is creative, and it's really about humans and the technology working together, uh, a, a human tech creative team, if you will. Um, and that, um, that is just uh, you know, kind of on the edges of things. Um, the industry is just starting to talk about this. It recognizes the potential of it, um, recognizes the potential of scaling creative using dynamic creative engines. Um, personalization and the the capacity to uh, to make the the work in the campaigns that they create more relevant um, uh, more more quickly and uh, and and more uh, proliferated if you will scaled from a business model perspective I mean you opened the podcast talking about the frankly incredibly low to zero growth of agencies and you just introduced a set of what could be interpreted as cost saving measures. Is that what you expect, that in order to compensate for low growth, they'll use this to essentially better margin, have yeah. better margin? Great, yeah. qu- great question. Um, and and absolutely, these are connected. Uh, it, it, in fact, as we were talking about the, the low growth, one of the things that has been noted uh, in some recent research is um, really high growth uh, in employee count for, for agencies. Very interesting. Hmm. Um, a set of data looking uh, from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, looking at um, the uh, the headcount in 2010 versus uh, 2019, you saw 28 percent growth um, in employee headcount. I'm super confused. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you've got a lot of people that are doing a lot of work that is earning diminishing returns right. and, and zero what could growth. Go wrong? <laughs> right. So what they need to do to offset that growth is to uh, adjust their workforce and and automation is a way in which to uh, to embrace that so that so that they can right size if you will the revenue growth with their their overall headcount. So we have a a, a highly manual um, process and a and a manual skill set and the introduction of automated technology and automation um, can can help them achieve the the types of margins and the types of revenue that brings agencies back to positive growth. Um, and I think overall will serve the the marketer better by by giving them mm. the, the the type of margin um, that they're looking for for their for their companies and their um, and their shareholders. Mm. 
Is this homegrown tech or is this an acquisition play for most agencies? Today? A little bit of both. I mean, we've certainly seen the acquisition side this year. Um, uh, and over the last uh, the last couple of years on the agency side, just in 2019, uh, Publicis Group bought Epsilon, um, which was a, uh, you know, a massive price tag, uh, but, you know, for both uh, great technology platforms um, and skill sets um, uh, inside the Epsilon business. Year before, IPG bought Axiom Marketing Services, which is a very similar mm-hmm. um, situation. Now, these companies are obviously different, but they, you know, overall composition, they look they look very similar. Um, and then a few years ago, Dentsu A just bought uh, Merkle. Um, so we've seen three examples of uh, of, acu- of uh, acquisitions, but but built upon those acquisitions, there'll be some white label solutions with other providers, but they all now have. Um, data engineering and, and, and computer sciences is part of their skill set. So they'll, they'll be building out some of their own technology as well. Um, IPG announced the introduction of a group called Kineso. And Kineso will be the technology layer, if you will. If Axiom is their data layer, now Kineso is their technology layer, and they'll be charged with building out uh, some of the interface platforms in, or, in order to use that technology. You know, we're talking about the introduction of new technology, um, and new tools, which ne- necessitates a new process. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as we keep using the word new, one of the things that, that comes to mind is, is, is that people love the idea of change, uh, but they don't so much but like don't really. being changed. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> um, and, and so r- r- this, this shouldn't be perceived as the end of creativity or the end of advertising or the end of agency, but rather a rebirth. Mm a rebirth under uh, a new way to work and, uh, you know, a new, a new set of technology and a new set of process. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's really, it's creativity powered by automation, creativity powered by, by technology. So data sciences and audience insights, they need to have a seat at the table. And that represents a, a change from the way things are today. It's a, it's a, it's a mostly manual process um, fueled by insights and intuition. In the future, we're talking about a more automated, faster process that's powered by more understanding and more data-driven insights. And that's going to require that people do things differently mm-hmm. um, and uh, accept new ways to work. And for some, that will be difficult. So they either need to get on board or get out the door. Yep. And you've mentioned this in the in the research, but obviously necessitates some leadership changes and things of that nature. So and that some some of that's already happened. It, yeah, ex- exactly. It means new leaders that ones that are kind of equally visionary and operational um, visionary in the sense that they they have the, the capacity to 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 understand, uh, you know, that their that their industry needs to evolve to its its next its next proposition, and they need to have the the foresight and the ability to to, to drive that vision throughout the organization, but also implement um, that. And that's what I mean by operational: be able to implement that vision across the organization through a, a set of changes, um, restructuring, and a lot of consolidation. And we've started to see some examples of that happening during Q3 in 2019. Group M, IPG Media Brands, and MDC Partners. Um, all installed a, a new set of, uh, of executive leadership. And each, each of these organizations uh, brought in leaders that had already driven change inside their individual 
agencies and and essentially elevated them into positions of uh, you know CEO level positions across the entire organization. So that these guys already have a history of making consolidation moves, pulling things together, and implementing technology across the business, um, and and some elements of automation to do that. These are companies like Essence Digital, um, uh, Gale and Associates for uh, MDC and uh, UM or Universal McCann at IPG. And so, based upon those moves, I think we would anticipate to see that these that the holding company level, you know, media operations will have some similar consolidation um, and and further integration of technology into their businesses. You, you've talked about this. I think the word you used was as a rebirth of an industry, not maybe the destruction of an industry. But, you know, history isn't generally kind to entire industries that, that need to be reborn. You tend to see a lot of the incumbents go away with uh, new companies take their space. It doesn't, or take their place. It doesn't sound like that here. I mean, I'm not really in the agency world, but a lot of the names you just have rattled off seem to be the same companies that have been in the space for a long time. Why is it different? Why are we not seeing new behemoths born? Why are we not seeing the Amazon versus Walmart story, essentially? Um, well, we are to to a degree, but just not to the scale that that Amazon and and, and Walmart. Maybe are, Amazon's a bad example. <laughs> are operating. Actually, I think it's right. it's it's a good example because it, you know it's 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 two companies you know from from uh, you know the the polar opposites you know that have you know, a competing set of offerings that are coming at it from from different angles, but they're both like but they're both really big. What's what's different here is that. Many of the struggles that I'm talking about are, are happening at the um, at the at the holding company level, at the large mm-hmm. enterprise agency level. There are a number of smaller agencies um, and midsize agencies, some independent, um, some owned by venture capital, um, and some that are the you know the new the new holding company models mm. um, that are that are starting to perk up, um, uh, meaning that they are they're 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 starting to buy um, different capabilities, They're starting to buy different companies um, and uh, and band these together um, as a, a complementary offering to one another, a very coordinated complementary offering that doesn't necessarily compete. So these these acquisitions are very, very thoughtful in that um, one, for example, which is uh, S4 Capital, um, which is uh, Martin Sorrell's new uh, organization. He's the former uh, founder uh, and CEO of uh, WPP. He's bought the Media Monks, which is a uh, production and content and a creative organization. They recently added a uh, digital strategy wing, um, and they purchased Mighty Hive, uh, which is a data and programmatic uh, hmm. company. And with the three of these combined together, um, you've got organizations that complement one another, that work at different Parts of the marketing uh, funnel, if you will, um, uh, at different parts of the you know the, the marketing process, don't compete and and can can lean on one another to provide more of an end to end offering. And there's a lot of companies that are starting to resemble this. There's actually some that are that are going out in the market saying we want to repeat what what S four has done. Dentsu Aegis is kind of a you know a hybrid of that in that. They started as a media company and have been acquiring and diversifying their offering, and it is it too is less competing. Whereas some of these old players that I'm, that, that we're talking about have multiple media agencies and multiple media com, you know competing media uh, brands. 
multiple competing creative and digital brands. And that really, that, that, therein lies the issue in the need for consolidation is the overlap, the repetitiveness, and the, and the competition. What was the logic for that? So the logic, I think, is really simple. Have a horse in every race, mm. you know, or have multiple horses in but every regardless race. regardless of the AT&T. Yeah. All dollars, no matter who wins the, the pitch, all dollars flow back to New York, Paris, or London. Right. Um, because you've got several agencies in contention. And that worked very well um, from the 90s and the early 2000s. Um, but as marketers, as we you know said at the t- at the top of yep. this, as the as the 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 call and the need of marketing is changing, um, and it needs to be a more coordinated, thoughtful, um, integrated effort, uh, that level of competition just doesn't work for the marketer and yeah. its service partners anymore. And it needs to mirror the agency model. Needs to mirror that reality. That's correct. Yep. They need to be- they need to better mirror one another, um, and and that need of of consolidation and integration uh, is there. And uh, the marketers are working to make their organizations reflect that. And the agencies are slowly but surely doing so as well. You mentioned this a little bit earlier, but the sort of the skill sets or maybe potentially diverse skill sets coming together. Is that, you know, if we think about creative and data and tech, is that within one shop or are those going to be in separate shops, but just they work together better and like a holding, you know, company model um, how is that? How do you think that's going to play out? Um, I, I think that's that, I think it's very much subject to debate. Yeah. Um, in that, um, that in the past, uh, these types of you know diverse offerings have have essentially represented different P and Ls or yep. different company labels. My point of view is that it's it's difficult to phone these things in from afar, and that. It needs to, in the way that that we work very closely here uh, at Forrester, um, and how small agencies work very closely and collaboratively together, that the large agencies will need to do that too. So I, I, I believe what it represents is media becoming much closer to creative. In the 1980s, they they split media planning and buying off from creative and created its own PL for the the, the sake of profitability. I think we're going to see that undone in this decade for sure. Not 2020, but mm-hmm. the, the seeds of it will start in 2020. And it will begin by by more collaboration between the, the holding companies and their agencies. Um, but eventually we're going to see the, the merge of creative and, and media and technology and audience activation platforms are going to facilitate that. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you think about the process as there is a discovery phase in which we understand the objectives and the insights – there is an ideation phase in which solutions are developed, and there's an implementation phase. Um, right now, it's different companies across each of those phases. As the data becomes a single thread that weaves across all that activity, then the, the, the different entities that are in charge of it, I think, have the opportunity to come together as one. Yeah. Yeah. And as a marketer, thinking about those things as disparate line items is incredibly difficult to do. Like, I don't want to do that. If I'm thinking about my audience, yeah. right? Like that's that seems a, a little backwards. And I think that's been a lot of the frustration of, of marketers with their, their agency rosters is that it was set up to be one way and uh, the need is has, has changed. Sure. And, and so what I talk to marketers about quite frequently is how to better shape that roster um, and better integrate their, their service providers. And, you know, what's what's reasonable for them to do now, what 
what what should they be expected to do mm-hmm. um, uh, in the future? And it's and it's gives and takes on both sides. In, inside a marketing organization, when you have four or five different uh, leaders with different agendas, different budgets, different teams, your providers are going to mirror that. So if CMOs are really desiring an integrated solution and, and integrated campaigns or integrated experiences, part of that is going to have to start inside their own organization. That integration needs to start inside their organization and that will, and the agencies will, will just only mirror that. So Jay, for the marketers out in the audience, how should they be thinking about these forthcoming changes within the agency and, you know, for their planning for, for 2020, what should they be thinking about um, to, you know, set themselves up for success? They should be thinking about how to improve the the advertising and the and the marketing experience because people hate advertising, um, <laughs> and it's really easy to avoid it, right? There's ad blockers, there's streaming services, there's uh, skippable programming, and so CMOS and the agency executives need to reinvent that experience and reinvent the way that they they address it by understanding what the emerging technologies are and what consumers are going to embrace and developing fit-for-format solutions to do so, and, and relying on their, their agency providers to help them do that by thinking through, you know, for example, voice. You know, what does the brand and the product sound like on Google Assistant or Alexa and eventually Siri? Or, you know, AI, how do, the, how do these ad experiences and, and digital experiences learn from their interactions so that they can provide an even better experience? or personalization, how, how can they create communications and campaigns that aren't creepy and don't try to sell you what you just bought? Um, you know, so there, there's a lot for them to think about and to improve the experience. Um, and the, in 2020, the agencies are making the changes um, and starting down the path to help them do so. Great. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.